Let's face it, we frontliners see the absolute worst of humanity more than we may like, definitely a lot more than the general population. And while I can certainly appreciate heading to the local, off-shift friendly drinking establishment after a particularly difficult night, I'd much rather cope with finding whatever humor I can in a bad situation. Trust me, it's better than having to call my adult daughter to pick me up from a bar at 9 o'clock in the morning because I can't, uh, find my keys. My name is Jennifer Cosgrove, and I've been a night shift nurse for close to two decades. I created Overnight Observations to not just celebrate and share the often extremely dark sense of humor many of us possess, but to really dig in and chat about how allowing ourselves to find levity in serious situations not only helps us cope in the moment, it's also been scientifically proven to be beneficial to our overall mental health and physical well-being. So grab a cup of lukewarm coffee and a cold slice of pizza, sit back and relax, but not too much, you'll get us all in trouble, and just observe. Well, hello there. Welcome to Overnight Observations, Diary of a Night Shift Nurse. It's me, Jen. How are you? I'm doing okay, thanks. Can't complain. And yeah, sure, maybe nobody listens, but you know what? It's good to get things off your chest. Saves you from getting ulcers, right? Truth be told, I had no idea leading up to this weekend what I was going to do my show about this week. And for some crazy reason, whether it's divine guidance or otherwise, we started talking about soap notes at work. I don't really use them. I know you're probably supposed to, and some people are very S-O-A-P, and, and they do the whole thing. I, I've i never been... I'm more of a narrative girl. I'd rather write out a little bit of a story sticking to the points rather than bullet points in a patient's chart. Of course, now everything's completely different because it's all electronic. Half the time it's charting by exception now. So, But if I do anything, I make sure I write it, because if you didn't write it, you didn't do it. So anyway, for those of you that... Don't know about soap notes, which would be kind of weird, unless if unless you're not a nurse, unless you're doing something else, or you're a layperson that listens to this podcast because you have nothing better to do, or want to see how the other half lives, right? <laughs> soap notes are, let's see, they're broken down into different categories. Uh, S is subjective, O is objective, A is assessment, P is plan. Soap. Okay, so subjective, I almost said suggestive, can you go oh my good lord, well, <laughs> that's not real life, that's just the movies. Anyway, subjective is basically your patient's chief complaint, what they're there for. The objective is our point of view, what the caregivers are seeing and what they think and what they're looking at. The assessment, medical diagnosis, and also differential diagnoses, other things that might be contributing to their illness, whether it's their diet or you know, something else going on that's bringing something brand new into the picture, which happens in the middle of the night, always. Once one thing goes wrong, everything goes wrong. And the P is the plan. How is it going to be treated? Is it just medication? Is it different serial labs, therapies, physical therapy, occupational therapy, all of that stuff? And you, it kind of ties it up in a neat little are supposed to tie it up in a neat little package. Sometimes you have all that together anyway. Some people like to just separate it all out, go from there. But it also, with soap, it got me thinking about how the medical community is portrayed in medical dramas. Soaps, right? So I thought I'd chat about that and give a little bit of history of different things. And really on a personal note, my mom watched the stories 
for as long as I can remember. And the earliest memory I have is either, I don't know if it was Search for Tomorrow or Guiding Light. I think it was Guiding Light. One of the kids who was around my age, about five years old, at least until the following week when they were going off to college, you know how it, how it is. They grow up so quickly on the soaps, don't they? Anyway, kid complained of a sore throat. And in good soap opera fashion, things escalated quickly. Off they went to the hospital to undergo some sort of life-saving surgery, plus having their tonsils and adenoids removed. Was it a crisis? Of course it was a crisis. It was a Friday. But on Monday, all was well, and everyone brought little Timmy, or whoever it was, loads of ice cream. Now, cute little Jen, who was and still is an ice cream fan to the max. I, I absolutely love ice cream. My grandson's the same way. I wouldn't go to my mother in the kitchen. I remember standing there looking at her with my hand on my throat saying, gee, you know, I started acting then, right? So I'm holding my throat and saying, geez, mama, my throat feels sore. Now, my goal was a pre-dinner bowl of Brigham's chocolate ice cream. I got the ice cream. Oh, yeah, I got the ice cream all right, but it was hospital-grade ice cream because one minute I'm standing in the kitchen, like I said, and the next I'm at the old Grover Manor Hospital in Revere undergoing anesthesia. My mom didn't play at all, and neither did I after that, at, at least until I was a teenager. And even then, I was very, very careful lest I end up under the scalpel again. Remembering that, I, I also remember that I must have been probably, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old visiting my grandmother in the hospital. And we were sitting watching the stories, and she and my mother liked certain certain soaps. And the nurse had come in the room, and she was doing her thing. I don't know if she was tucking my grandmother in or, or checking bandages or giving a med. I can't remember that. But I do remember her kind of looking up at the TV at what was going on, and she kind of chuckled and said, I don't think that blood pressure is going to be very accurate. We all kind of looked at her like, what are you talking about? And, and she said, look, they had the cuff on, but they're not using a stethoscope. you got to use a stethoscope, otherwise you, you, you're not going to know. And now everything's automated, but even when I was in nursing school and even sometimes when things aren't working properly and you need to double-check the reading you just got, you do, you go all old-fashioned and you get the cuff and you get your stethoscope and you listen and... But I was like, wow. And, and she just chuckled. And she said, yeah, yeah, they, they, there are a few things they're not getting right. So probably what began the use of onset technical advisors. Who knows? So a little bit of soap opera history for you. On the radio, it started in 1938, or on or around 1938, there was a teaser that came out for a Dr. Kildare film series that starred Lionel Barrymore and was coming out in 1939. And then the radio episodic Young Dr. Kildare would run later on from 1949 to 1951. And curiously enough, rather than being a serial like a soap opera is, you know, the story picks up the next day from where they left off, this was more standalone episodes. And it utilized a lot more up-to-date medical information and even some true-life issues that were being explored. Ultimately, television would gain in popularity, and network radio dramas would end in November of 1960, to be exact. Day after Thanksgiving, my friend Tim Coco, who was the president and general manager of 97.9 WHAV in Haverhill, discusses this in a really cool article that I will have the link for in my show notes. So check it out. It's, it's really interesting stuff. And thankfully, at least here in New England, old-time radio shows are still broadcast on local stations, not just WHAV, but also WADT in Marshfield. And these are some real hidden gems, folks. If you're able to tune into a local radio station that broadcasts these old radio shows, whether they're medical or westerns or otherwise, 
Take a listen. They're, they're really hidden gems, and they're fun. Times that are a little bit different, mostly before our time sitting around the radio and listening to a show. Check it out, really. You, it's, it's not a waste of time. You'd certainly, certainly get something out of it. So, television. Soap's on TV here in the States. Believe it or not, and you might not be surprised about this, but the longest-running medical soap opera is General Hospital. Started in 1963, still going strong. The longest-running primetime medical show, Grey's Anatomy, 2005 to present. Don't think I've ever heard of any kind of end of the series, so it'll probably keep going until nobody wants it to go anymore. Longest-running series or medical series in the world, that honor goes to Britain's Casualty. Started in 1986 and is still going strong. First televised, City Hospital, 1951. There are so many medical shows Marcus Welby, MASH, ER, Doogie Howser, St. Elsewhere. One of my favorites, House. Love that guy. Scrubs? Absolutely. One of my absolute favorites was Always Emergency, which ran from 1972 to 1979. Not only was it the first medical drama to cross stories from the hospital with paramedics, it boosted my confidence that I actually learned something in nursing school. Okay, let me explain that. I happened to be watching a rerun with my NCLEX exam looming. I'd been studying, I had been worrying, I had been freaking out, I had been thinking I'm stupid, I didn't learn a goddamn thing. Ooh, sorry. But I, I really, I really felt that way. I think a lot of us felt that way before we actually started working and passed the exam. But anyway, so watching this particular episode of Emergency and call goes in, Station 51 to Rampart Base, how do you read? To Doc Brackett with Nurse Dixie by his side. So long story short, the victim, he had fallen to a swimming pool or something and had a large bruise on his leg when they pulled him out of the pool and took a look at him. If I remember correctly, his wife or girlfriend or whatever it was, whoever it was that was there, had said, oh, well, he had a, had a little bit of a motorcycle accident. He, he, he dumped the motorcycle, whatever. So I figured by this description, the girlfriend talking about it to Randy Mantooth's character, talking about it to the doctor, I figured, oh, geez, it sounds like he threw a clot. It doesn't sound like he hit his head or anything else. So maybe he threw a clot and something happened. Falling into the pool and mama's drowning, whatever. Don't you know, Doc Brackett confirms it by saying something to the effect of it sounds like a pulmonary embolus. I was thrilled. I'm like, talk about validation by a TV doctor, no less. Still, silly or not, it was one of my best moments. I was confident going into my nursing exam. And hey, I passed. I was pretty excited about that. Thank you, emergency. Thank you, Hollywood. So what about you? Any favorite soaps, medical shows, ever been watching and see something that in your experience would never, ever, ever actually happen? Too much equipment, too little equipment, that, that blood flying everywhere, that wouldn't happen unless they nicked an artery. Ever listen to old-time radio? You might like it. Think of it as a podcast episode. <laughs> as always, would love to know your thoughts. OvernightObservations.com or OvernightObservations at gmail.com. Take good care of yourselves. Have a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. And I'll catch you on the flip side. Ciao. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Overnight Observations, Diary of a Night Shift Nurse. If you've laughed a little or a lot, learned something in the process, I've done my job. For more respectfully irreverent humor and the scientific proof that it's actually good for you, subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget that a little bit of levity goes a long way to leaving some of the darkness behind. The sun always rises. Greet it with a grin. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>